Welcome everybody to the Tag Your It Podcast. I'm Ray Ray. And I am Dave. And we are joined again as I just put up uh, his his picture and name and everything because I forgot to do all that stuff beforehand. But we are on the line with Tim Carter yet again. How are you doing tonight, Tim? Doing good, doing good. Yeah, we've got our kids running around. Uh, at Sedalia, there's kids. And then in my house, there's kids. So At my house, there's kids, but we're yeah. not around them. We're not yeah. in the office tonight. They cannot be picked up on a microphone, at least your, your kids. <laughs> <laughs> so if you hear anything going on in the background, um, it's just us living life and uh, being a, you know, just normal, ordinary people that God uses to defend the faith. And, uh, you know, that's that's why all three of us are here tonight. That's correct. And so last week we had Tim on. If you're just now catching us on the live feed or if you just listened to this second half of the podcast, last week we talked a little bit about a uh, Word and Way article basically called enti- excuse me reading the bible like a sl- like an enslaver it charged mm-hmm. that anyone who would advocate for the 1978 Chicago statement of biblical inerrancy or the baptist faith and message 2000 were simply using the same hermeneutic as those who were enslavers which is not only an incredibly terrible view of history it's incredibly ill-informed and exceptionally problematic that you would say that many false charges were made in this such as nettles advocating for enslavers and to enslave black people which is not at all what his article did terrible misrepresentation but likewise just a clear uh a clear miscommunication of the reality. And that's really problematic. And that's why we brought Tim on because Tim was going to set some folks straight along with Adam and I. Yeah. Yeah. So Tim, you had like a really good, uh, just kind of, uh, just listening to the way you talked, uh, you brought this, um, uh, this saying up a few times. And so I think it's something to reiterate right now, but you, um, kept on saying last week that, uh, they're using this, uh, something new, this, um, as I describe as a, you know, they're using this new culture war, um, to, uh, discuss the same tired old argument. Right. 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 And as I thought about it this last week and kind of thought through what we discussed, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of sick. Um, that we would go to these places that, that you have an article like this, that, you know, the, the title reading the Bible, like enslavers, uh, just tells you what the message is, is if you affirm these things, you're no better than those who held slaves. And so this is part of the, the issue with, with wokeness in our culture, um, and, and just the brokenness that comes with wokeness, um, and, it's it's sad because this is not the gospel uh you know in christ our sins are forgiven mm-hmm. uh you know the old man is gone uh we are a new creation in christ so you know as new creations yeah yeah we mess up we make mistakes but we're not held to the guilt and shame of our sin and furthermore, we look at what the Bible teaches, and we're not held to the guilt and shame of the sins of our fathers. That's right. Yeah. And so the whole idea of wokeness is you are guilty because of the sins of your fathers and your forefathers. Yeah. Um, you are guilty because of the shade of your skin and the culture that you have grew, grown up in. And so this article is taking advantage of this woke theology, this woke argument that's being pushed in our culture in in every avenue 
uh, and, and trying to divide people by the color of their skin. And it's, it's using what is culturally hot, a hot topic right now and, and trying to fight an old battle with it. Yeah. Um, and it, 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 it's, it's, it really is sick because you're taking an issue. It's an important issue. Racial reconciliation is an important issue. Uh, now it's not what the woke theologians would tell you it is. Um, yeah. it, it, it's, it's biblical and it, it, it means that all men are created in the image of God and therefore our value is found in that image and who we are as God's creation. Ultimately, when we're redeemed by Christ, that image can be restored on that path of restoration. It doesn't matter the color of our skin, whether June or Greek, you know, it doesn't matter in Christ. We, we can be one. So that's, that's the gospel message. But what we're taking in this article is this, this idea that, uh, guilt follows from generation to generation and further guilt hinders us from accepting anything that somebody might have believed or taught that was one thing that's so key yeah continue sorry and so and that's the problem here is is that when, when you when you understand what wokeness is trying to accomplish it's it's really about the destruction of the western civilization but western civilization is built on the bedrock of christianity and so it's it's really a front against the biblical teaching of what humanity is supposed to be uh in, in what is pushing forward um it's it's about the destruction of the family it's about uh changing the roles in the family and the roles in the church and rewriting what uh proper theology is not based off of the scripture but based off of um societal norms and sociological studies um, rather than what the truth of scripture teaches. So this article is using this, this hot topic uh, and trying to throw guilt, trying to make you feel guilty for something that you did not do that he is tying to something that is doctrinally sound that you might hold to. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, if 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 we uh, take anything in history, you know, just think of the people that have founded all this stuff. If we find one horrible thing about them, does that do they uh, um, get a pass or do they get canceled? You know, and that's you know, so whoever comes up with critical race theory, you know, whoever's would be a founder of that, um, if something in their past life um, or that we find out that was hidden. does then does then critical race theory finally get canceled you know right and that's then that i mean that's the ultimate goal really is maybe we should find that kind of stuff because um we do read in the inspired scriptures that um and i mean you can see this all over the psalms and i'll I, i use this in a lot of conversations anyway is that the that the wicked will set their own trap they'll think they'll set up a trap for the righteous yet they're going to end up falling into it but you know that's that's just the issue is um for us um in this case uh you know there's a lot of baptist preachers back in the day that were that did have slaves they were not perfect people and we do not saint them at all in that respect um and we recognize their flaws but at the same time we've got to say we can do that why it's because we have 
a inspired, infallible scripture. And that's one of the issues that I think at first Nettles was actually writing an open letter on founders commenting back to a brother in the Lord who's actually friends with, by the way, who said, Dwight McKissick, who said, we need to rename all our buildings, right? Now, this isn't the first time McKissick has said stuff like this. If you read Removing the Stains of Racism from the Southern Baptist Convention, he advocates for a very similar position, right? Uh, Basically, what Nettles says is, no, we're not going to do that because these guys, while they had sins that they were blind to, and if you read the whole article, you can see it, while they had sins that they were blind to of the day, they were, again, a product of their day. That doesn't mean that they got the deity of Christ wrong. That doesn't mean that they got salvation by grace through faith alone. That doesn't mean that they got the idea. And, of course, the Southern Baptist Convention exists because there were Southern Baptists who wanted to send missionaries overseas, and people said, you can't hold slaves and do that, right? And they said, oh, no, we can't. Right, We want to keep our slaves, which was incredibly evil. We're not going to downplay that. Those folks can be incredibly evil and incredibly wrong about certain things, but that doesn't mean that they got some things right. I mean, I don't throw out every dollar bill because it has a picture of George Washington who was a slaveholder on it, right? Like, there's still actually value in that currency. Going to wait for Tim. Yeah, I was going to give Tim an opportunity (laughs) there. Sorry. Yeah, I mean... At the end of the day, you know, the whole cancel culture wokeness is, uh, if, if, if if you truly had to follow this out, you would have to cancel everybody in scriptures except for Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Well, even like, then. You, well, you'd you even at, cancel out Jesus because eventually well, saw, it's going to, so, yeah. I saw somebody post this last week on Twitter. I can't remember who it was. It, somebody shared it, but the fact that Jesus had, because Jesus was a male, he had male privilege, but yet he was still sinless. They're trying to explain it, but yet still be woke. And like it <laughs> yeah. complete. I mean, it completely destroyed their argument. But I don't think they realize it. But, but yeah, I mean, th- it causes a lot of issues because, I mean, the scripture is full of people that screwed up and sinned and did horrible things. But yet, God still used them. God still spoke the truth through them, and was able to complete what He had designed to, to happen uh, yeah. through through these broken vessels and and so when when you have the the, the woke gospel it is is really a it's a broke gospel you know woke is broke is uh, yeah. I, told, I told dave a while back i said i want to come on and talk about but yeah um, woke is broke woke is broke i mean it it's not the gospel no. uh it, it twists it it contorts it and, it and it spits out something else it's not about reconciliation with god it's about what someone else has that I want that I don't have because of who I am. Yeah, it's, it's covetousness. Mm-hmm. It's idolatry. Um, it is not the gospel. Um, yeah. And so many people have bought in hook, line, sinker uh, without really thinking through because you have big names that are pushing this, mm-hmm. and you know they're leading people astray. They're wolves in sheep's clothing. But that's another topic for another day. Yeah, because I mean, because well, I mean, this this is a big big uh, issue. So you have somebody that comes to your church. And say that they've really actually have been a racist and they have acted out racist things. And they come in your church and you go, they come in and they go, I was a racist, blah, blah, blah. I did this, this, this. Um, I need the gospel, right? And they, and they confess everything right. and they, they bend the knee to Christ and they say, I am totally sorry for everything that I've ever done and I want to live a new life. I want to live out, um, you know, I, I don't want to be a racist anymore. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to feel this way anymore. What are they going to tell you? 
um, if they're woke, they're going to tell you, well, now you owe all these people, all this stuff, instead of saying, no, son, like you're, you, you are a child of God. If you make Jesus your Lord and your sins are forgiven, Jesus paid for every racist thing you've ever done. Right. Right. But if this but, but, creeps into the church, right, they're going to be like, no, you're got you got to work. Right. Right. So the wokeness says, well, that's all good, but now you have to do X, Y, and Z. Um, mm. In order to be restored completely, and there really is no end um, to that 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 process of of what you have to do in order to bring restoration. Because it's not enough for you to do it; you have to then go out and force everybody else to do it. Because if you don't, you're a racist still, and even still, you're probably racist just because of the fact of the color of your skin. So, um, at the end of the day, there there is no redemption in in wokeness um unless you are uh the uh, oppressed well let me say uh, this because that's where things really begin to at least for me become the point of tension with this article the reality is as uh, adam has put there is an issue with racial reconciliation you said that there is an issue yes there is at times we can see problems within uh, among racial lines like Obviously, more black babies are aborted than any other nationality in the United States. That's a problem, right? Obviously, there are more fatherless African-American kids than any other race in the United States right now. That's a problem. There are a larger percentage of African-Americans that are incarcerated right now. That is a real serious problem, right? Drugs run rampant in these communities, right? Uh, Go to Chicago and, and, and get yourself in a public school or get your kids in a public school. Nobody's saying, let me move to Chicago, inner city Chicago, so I can get my kids in a public school, right? That's not happening, right? There is a serious racial divide, and Christians are called to speak truth and justice into that. An article like this takes advantage of that real problem by then blaming that kind of mindset on an actual move to go to call Christians to orthodox theology that's the problem with this article and that's where he's taking advantage of it like what by by reframing nettles right he reframes the conversation and that's where we have a real serious issue with this article right he's yeah. taking advantage of a, an actual problem and he's blaming that on another actual problem to just rile up more people he does the same thing with calvinists in the southern baptist community yeah, I mean, as that's, well that, yeah, right. that's that's and a so, major move and so he does the, he does the same thing with the nbc mm-hmm. yeah. like you have his statement here says with the nbc pushing changes through trustees the school has followed nettles nettles advice in requiring affirmation of not only the bfa 2000 but also the 1978 chicago statement of biblical inerrancy the 1988 denver statement a biblical manhood and woman and the 2017 national statement on sexuality uh one that sentence is completely false uh yeah nettles uh, doesn't actually that, tell anybody to do that Nettles doesn't tell anybody to do that, but as a trustee, no one from the NBC has ever mentioned any of these things to me. Boom, and I can say the exact and, same thing. And furthermore, uh, I might get myself in trouble here, but I'm going to say it anyway, and we'll just see what happens. But uh, I'm the one that put forward these motions. Boom. And <laughs> I uh, did not discuss this with anybody. Uh, I felt like it was needed and i put it forward and i'm not going to tell you uh what else happened in the meeting but uh just know that uh 
the NBC did not push anything on anybody. So let me let uh, me let me ask you real quick. So you're telling me that you didn't talk to anybody in the Missouri Baptist Convention about making a motion for the 1978 Chicago Statement, the 1988 Denver Statement, or the uh, 2017 Nashville Statement? Is that what you're telling me? I am telling you that I spoke to no one. So Nettles, Nettles didn't call you on the phone. I have never spoken to Nettles. Okay, just I've never sure. spoken to anybody. I've never spoken to anybody in the NBC about these things. This was never pushed. Bingo. Um, as a conservative Baptist, I felt that these things represented where the convention was mm-hmm. and where the churches are. Yeah, again, uh, like we said last week, the uh, Baptist Faith and Message was from 2000 now. It is 2020, and lots of things have come up since then. A lot more fights have been, uh, a lot, arguments have been waged and all that kind of stuff. So instead of just saying uh, Baptist Faith and Message 2020, we just go ahead and say, here's where we are now because of what happened, you know, and so this is what you're saying. Right. I'm yeah. saying, like, as as an apologist, as someone who deals with issues that revolve around all these statements, I knew that I want a school that is conservative to be able to have parameters in which to guide that conservatism. Mm-hmm. Because the BFM 2000 is a great statement, but you have you will get professors that try to have... Um, They'll, they'll try to say, well, we will affirm it, uh, but we're going to define these things a certain way, but we can still affirm it. And so the way that you get that taken care of is you have to add these other statements so that we are all in agreement on where we stand yeah. and we know exactly what mean, we mean when we're talking. That's right. Yeah. And so this, this idea that the NBC was pushing these changes is completely false. Agreed. It's completely false. And so what this article does is it's very intentional at trying to cause division between faculty and staff at SBU and between the convention and the administration and the trustees. None of thing in this article has really been factual. You know, there's grains, grains of truth, uh, but they're all twisted to push forward a false narrative that paints uh, it's really defamatory against the statements themselves. Yeah. Against the NBC, against Nettles, um, against SBU. Um, this is an attack piece. And when when the claims are made in here, nothing is backed up. You go uh, down I know. And says, "Here's the rub." He says, "Here's the rub." To read these those passages as the Danvers statement interprets them, interprets them necessitates reading. The nearby verses to justify slavery, to look at the passages and affirm the theology of the Danvers statement, but speak against slavery is hermeneutically inconsistent and more morally hypocritical. According yeah, to yeah. what standard is and, it hermeneutically and, inconsistent? I want to ask you, Tim and, and Dave, and I mean, I, I've got a good answer for it, too. Um, but whenever we use the term slavery, what do we mean and what is his definition of it? And is there more of a multifaceted issue to deal with when you're talking about the term slavery he's taking advantage of people who hear slavery and think of american chattel slavery yeah that's exactly what he's doing there right right i mean you know you know you could you talk about you know in slavery in scripture is you have it's a whole different 
whole different ball game. Yeah. And, and in no way, in, in, in making that statement, in no way am I justifying anything that happened in America. That's yeah. right. Like I'll make that clear. I'm not. I'm not justifying uh, that type of slavery. What I am saying is, is, if you look at Scripture and are honest with yourself, you have to let Scripture interpret itself and explain itself. Yeah. Uh, you cannot read today's problems into the Scriptures, um, and that's 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 bad hermeneutics. Yeah. Uh, taking what's going on today and reading it into the Scriptures is bad hermeneutics. Yeah. So uh, and. So what I, I mean the the big the big question here though is like what is slavery in scripture? What are we talking about? Because you know we do see slavery and New Testament slavery and New Testament slavery is yeah. different. Yeah, yeah. So what's going on yeah. in there? So what do you what do you do? I mean, what do you do with Joseph who was sold into slavery? Yeah. Like and then his whole what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Yeah. Like, but at the same time for evil. Yeah, same time as whenever you're like getting into the Old Testament here, though. What does it say in Deuteronomy 24-7? Off the top of my head, I really don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to open it up here. Well, here's what I would say. What, his charge there about his here's a rub, how you have to read those passages that affirm the Danver statement, and then if you apply that same hermeneutic, then you're going to uh, affirm slavery in Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, verses 5 to 9. Baloney, you're going to do that. You yeah. recognize that Paul is actually, are you ready? Do a little historical grammatical hermeneutics, which is actually what the 1978 Chicago Statement says to do. So no, you've just disproven that you don't even know how to do the historical grammatical hermeneutic. Yeah. So whenever we go right. into this Deuteronomy 24 real quick, it says, uh, in Deuteronomy 24, 7, it says, if a man is discovered kidnapping one of his mm-hmm. Israelite brothers... Whether he treats mm-hmm. him as a slave or sells him, the kidnapper must die. You yep. must purge the evil from you. So, in Joseph's case, that was man stealing, and his brothers deserved death. Chattel slavery was a man slaving, or it was man stealing. Obviously, the Bible does directly and clearly say that that is evil. So, if you do a grammatical historical perspective, then you can be like, hey, here's the law. Here's the law that God gave them. And uh, even though it was before Sinai, God does not have double standards. And so, whenever from Adam to Moses, people still died. Why? Because they sinned. They sinned against the law of God. And it was always morally wrong to do these kind of things that were spelled out for Israel, given to them as a nation to have good law so that other nations would see that law and see how wonderful it was. That was the point of Israel. But still, we can go back and do this grammatical, historical hermeneutics. So you can't say, basically, you just don't know covenantalism. You don't know scripture. You don't know, you have gotten nothing out of scripture if this is what you say. So, I mean, people can all day be like, well, so, I'm a gra-. you can say you're grammatical, historical, hermeneutic guy, but then you say stuff like that, you can point out how false that is. If you so, here's what he, uh, he comes out and says, he says, to sign the Danvers statement is to do more than affirm a specific ideology about men and women. It is to read the Bible like an enslaver. And so, like, I don't know how if you can get any more dishonest. I agree. Um, I just showed how you couldn't do what he said you could do with Ephesians six. I don't yeah. like you. He either does not understand what he's saying or he does. And he's intentionally trying to cause issues. 
because it, I mean, he just wrote off a ton of people. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. A, a ton of believers and said, if you agree with this, you're, you're essentially a white supremacist. Essentially, if you believe in complementarianism, you hate black people. Right. That's re- what he's and, saying. And really, I mean, here, like what he's talking about is because he believes that Paul is actually condoning slavery. Yeah. And it's really, no, if God find you, finds you as a slave, if, if you are chosen, you are a slave. Again, I said this on the last program, but he, what he's saying there is if you are a slave, guess what? You are a freed man in the Lord and you should seek freedom. If it's given to you, you should avail yourself of that is what Paul says. But what it is, though, is whenever you are saved, you want to follow the law of God from your heart, which is the true sense of following God. And so you're not going to do things lawlessly. And that's what Paul says to do. Don't be lawless seeking your freedom. Seek freedom. That's the, the ultimate position that God wants his people to be in is to be free. But he doesn't want you to come out of your sinful nature into the marvelous light and still be sinful. So you don't go around. I'm saved by Jesus. I'm going to cut your head off. That's not what you're going to do. I'm not, I'm going to cut my master's head off. And then also we got to, got to remember that Paul also talks to these slave owners, not in a condemning sense, but he's saying, Hey, if you are a slave owner and you are saved and you've got slaves and there's a covenant there and whatnot, this is how you treat them. And it's actually, then it turns it from a man-stealing sort of horrible slavery that is an abomination. It turns it into a relational issue that sends that slave person out into a world with money, with skills, with everything that he has to live a life of freedom, which is, if you go back to the Old Testament, um, if you look at uh, Jacob and Laban and all that stuff. Um, so we have a really, like, you can't just say slavery but the only thing is you say that, but you don't have any sort of exegetical backup to be able to talk about it. Um, and it just becomes, a, you know, just like saying Corona case now. It's loaded with negative emotion. You're not appealing logically here. You're only appealing emotionally. Yeah, right on. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and continue on down some of this because I actually think that there's some real serious inconsistency uh, in that. And I think that's very, very important, right? But the Bible doesn't actually affirm slavery. Many Southern white preachers tried to claim it did by taking a few verses out of context, but Christians in the North and other countries, as well as black Christians in the South and elsewhere, clearly saw a different message in the scriptures and the enslavers did too. So, He's telling us that there actually is a effective hermeneutic that yeah. one can apply to Scripture to know what it says. What is that hermeneutic? If you're going to ridicule the 1978 Chicago Statement of Historical Grammatical interpretation uh, Hermeneutic, right? If you're going to ridicule the Danvers Statement, please show us by what standard you actually are able to come to that conclusion. Yeah. Like, I think that you owe the readers that reality. Well, I think, too, it's when you dig into it a little bit further, he talks about sections of the scriptures were removed to support slavery. Like, that alone should tell you, like, I would venture to guess that if you would go through and look at that, like I pulled up here, Mm -hmm. um, I would say that there are passages that are used in the Chicago Statement, the Denver Statement, and possibly the Nashville Statement that were probably removed um, from these Bibles that were changed in order to help affirm slavery. So like, Mm. 
you know, obviously we're not looking at a at a scholarly work here. Yeah. Um, there are some citations, but you know, the one whether it's removed from NPR, um, we're not talking about you know a peer review journal or anything. Uh, you know, we it is what it is, but. Um, the claims that are being made, you know, if, if, if you begin to dig down through it, there's really not a lot to the argument. It's just, yeah. it's all emotion. Uh, and the, the title is, is pulling at your emotions to try to convince you that if you believe these things, you're no better. Yeah. Um, and if you like, and too, I look at, uh, at SBU and just this, you know, the fact that he brings up that the false accusation of the NBC pushing changes through trustees, um, you know, he is fueling a fight uh, in a local entity um, and trying to stir up individuals to think that, man, these things are really bad. Why, why, would, why would we want to sign them uh, when they completely misrepresents? Um, what they're what's even said in them? I don't, you know, you 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 read it and you wonder if he's ever read them, mm, um, yeah. and if if he even understands, you know, what he's arguing against. Uh, I know he has a caricature that he's arguing against, but I can tell you that the caricature caricature that I've seen him argue against uh, in this article and the last article is not uh, not the same thing that we're talking about. Um, and so, you know, we know, you know, that these articles have been circulating, uh, and been, they have been used to try to sow division, uh, with faculty and staff. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's an issue. It's a big issue, but it goes back to the decisive nature, the divisive nature of this argument and its real intent. That's right. Because there's, there's no... You, you you read through it. There's nothing but claims, and there's no evidence to back it up. That's right. There's no argument. There's no consistent flow of of of, of thought on how why signing the Chicago statement or the Denver statement or the Nashville statement would make me just as rep reputable and reprobate as a slave owner. Uh, and you know, it's just fallacious claim after fallacious claim to try to scare individuals who, who may not know what these statements are away from understanding what they are and what they stand for. And, you know, I'd venture to guess that a lot of individuals would probably agree with most of the statements. Yeah. The Chicago statement, you know, I, I think you're the average person in the pews is probably going to agree with the Chicago statement. They voted uh, on they it to be at my church. So obviously it's uh, they, uh, written at a level where people can understand it. It's it's not it's not complicated, and, and most most people are right there, and that's you know because they read their Bibles and they understand what the scriptures teach, and they're like, oh yeah, that makes complete sense because this is just summarizing what the Bible says about itself. Yeah, that's um, right. You get to the Nashville and the Danvers statement, you might get a little bit more ambiguity between people, but I think you're still going to find a lot of agreement within Missouri Baptist life uh, uh, of those things, and. Uh, and uh, like I said last time, they really affirm what the BFM 2000 says. They just expound on it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. How and, much you uh, want to bet that 
Tim, I'm just like, this just hit my head. So I'm kind of speaking off the hip here, but like, okay, let's say on the, in the average Missouri Baptist church, how likely are people going to agree to the doctrine of inerrancy? I'd say pretty highly likely. How many are going to uh, agree to the doctrine of annihilationism or a purgatorial view of individual eschatology? That's where the that's where the rubber hits the road, brother. Is that right. here we have a guy who is essentially advocating? Hey, they should have kept those professors who advocated for annihilationism. Oh, hey, we should have kept those professors. They should have kept those professors who who agreed that you know uh, there should be a, an understanding of universalism, and they, well, they should have kept those professors who affirmed uh, an individual a purgatorial view of individual eschatology. That's baloney. You want to talk to the actual Missouri Baptist person? They're going to be all about inerrancy over these other two crazy doctrines that aren't even found in Scripture. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Sorry, I went on a little bit of a rant there, but like, it just blows my mind. Like, you want to actually deal with the issue. How about you say, you know what? Missouri Baptist probably would be more likely to agree with inerrancy in the Danvers Statement well over the idea of the concept of annihilationism any day of the week, I guarantee you. Yeah, yeah. So, where were we Uh, at? Oddly Nettles, I think, is where we are. Oddly Nettles, all right. So, uh, let's continue on, uh, just uh, because we are at the very end. The end is like just the big emotional crescendo um, that we could end end this on. But anyway, it says, Oddly Nettles attempted to defend SBTS's enslaver founders by insisting their theology didn't change even as slavery uh, became outlawed. And that's, that's a real tautological thing to me to to have to read what do you so, mean their yeah. individual theology didn't change that leaves a whole bunch up in the air so so they didn't renounce christ as the only means of salvation really yeah <laughs> that would have been a position they would have held before and after right yeah so yeah, i mean but yeah that, uh, that sort of confuses me but it, it keeps on going back on this uh, cancel culture issue, if you are not perfect from the very start in your life, then you're screwed. I mean, that's that's pretty much it. And the thing is, is yeah, that that's the position of everybody. Um, we're not perfect when we start out, and we're we're gonna have blemishes um, throughout our life. But if you cancel everybody, then everybody's canceled, even you. And this is this comes to the whole throw the first stone issue. And this doesn't resolve any problems whatsoever. It just has us throwing stones at each other that's because right. we're missing the point of the gospel. Right. Right. And so that, but that's, that's just, you know, uh, that doesn't even, that, that sentence doesn't even make sense. Now you can say, well, his, there's their stance on slavery didn't change, even though um, the cultural shift was uh, to go against slavery. And it's like, well, yes. And we have to recognize from scripture, they are sinners. Um, they're not convinced. They don't want to be convinced. And again, here it comes down to you are justified. You're justified by faith alone in Christ alone, through grace from God alone. It comes down to the solas um, that we can ecumenically, for the most part, agree on, um, Protestant wise. Um, so but, I just, yeah, I just, I just want to make a point here. Um, like if you took out the adjective enslaver before founders. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Nettles attempts to defend SBTS's founders yeah. by insisting their theology didn't change after slavery became outlawed. Yeah, that's not even true. <laughs> like, 
it's uh i mean you remove that and you know remove the uh the words the the, the buzzword the uh the emotional word from from it i mean enslaver founder to me that enslavers an un- unnecessary term there unless you're trying to push the point of these are evil men and yeah. what they believed was wrong well yeah. according to that same practice then you would actually say all the american founders of the united states were enslavers why would we dare defend them in any way like right. why would we use which, logical arguments to defend them in any way which i actually which won't is the, defend their which slaves, is the no. argument used by communists and marxist uh in the blm movement yes yeah. uh and so, I mean, there there are bigger things at play here than I think what sometimes we give credit to. Like, this is a theological issue, but these theological issues have political ramifications. And, like, your theology is going to shape everything. Like James White says, theology matters. Your, your yeah. theology is going to determine everything. Uh, and so, is my theology is not perfect. Uh, no, none of us have a perfect theology. There are things that, that we are continually growing and maturing in. And so that's going to change our ethics because our theology influences our ethics, uh, not the other way around. And, and so you can have an individual who is a believer that maybe ethically is not doing uh, some good things, but they're growing in maturity. And as they grow in maturity and their theology deepens and strengthens their ethic is going to change and follow i mean that's sanctification that you're that's transformed right. That's right by the renewing of your mind uh the transformation happens for the renewing of your mind through the, through the word of god so that as you study and learn the word of god the holy spirit illuminates your mind to help you understand it he equips you with the gifts to to play that out and to work that out in your life and so that as i grow and mature my theology is going to mature, and then my ethic is going to mature and grow. So you can look at those individuals who came out of uh, the Civil War uh, that were not mature ethically in, in this area that we don't know. I mean, none of us know wh- who changed their minds and who, who came to realize, oh, wow, that, that really was bad. It took, a, it took a war for them to realize that. You know, we don't know what goes on in the hearts of men. That's right. Uh, so to make claims that their theology didn't change is is very bold, and only God knows. Well, that's and generalization a, too. I mean, that's there. You know, it's using the term whole theology when we're talking about a part. And right. so, yes, and, that's, and, and that's so, the issue. And but but here's the issue though: is 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 we're talking about theology, but we're, we're ultimately talking about ethics. Yeah. Uh, and, and so. Yeah, the, the there's an aspect of the theology that needed to change, but that didn't play into all of their theology. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, and so, the biblical anthropology at, you know, needed to change. Their yeah. understanding of the Imago Dei needed to change. Right, like right. W- when you read the writings again, and I know that that Dr. Kaler knows this because I know he's read Mark Knoll's book, "The Civil War Is a Theological Controversy." And the real root of the matter was, honestly, among these folks, when the theologians really dug down into it, it was, what is man? And people who were smart theologians, and and I say that brilliant theologians, made a big mistake in saying that African Americans can't be man. Right? Right. That was essentially what they said. Right? But, but But here's what's happened. 
here's what's happened is we came out of that and, and we fixed that. That's right. As, as Southern Baptists, we fixed that. Um, and, and as, uh, Missouri Baptist, you know, we fixed that, but here's the deal. What woke theology is doing is going right back to that, except mm-hmm. for it's turning it, turning it on its head. It's perverting the image of God in order to define man as oppressors and the oppressed. Yes. And by pinning man, man's past sins on future generations, which is unbiblical. Yeah. And perverting the image of God, which ultimately I would argue perverts the, the image of who Christ is because Jesus is fully man and fully God. So you pervert the image of God. Uh, he is the radiance and the glory of God. Like he is the perfect image of God. Um, and so when you pervert the Imago Dei in you and I, you in a way affect how you view Christ. Yeah. Um, and, and so it, it's doing a lot more damage than what I think people understand. Um, and, and so it plays on the emotions. It's all about emotions. Yeah. So, both, so basically emotions. you're saying both sides of this whole issue pervert the Imago Dei, which is the whole problem. So That's the whole problem. No, no matter what, so those I mean, who, you're just, you're just on the who, other side doing the same who, thing. Right. Those who justified chattel slavery in the United States perverted the image of God when they did that. Yeah. Yes. Because they devalued the image in certain individuals and said that based off of the color of your skin, that's what provided value and worth, mm-hmm. which is false. It's unbiblical. It's not true. It is false. It should be repudiated and, and, and fought against as hard as we can. Yeah. But on the other side, you have individuals who are trying to categorize men and women as oppressed or oppressors. and defining them by how many intersections they have of oppression. And that is doing the same thing, but on the opposite end is perverting the image of God. Yes. And distorting yeah. what humanity is. Yes. Um, yeah. And so you have both problems. And, and so the argument, you know, I could come right back at him and say, whoa, 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 whoa. You're doing the same thing on the opposite end. And, and what, what I would argue is those who would sign the Danver statement, the Chicago statement, the Nashville statement, those are the ones in the middle trying to argue for the truth and say, no, this is what the Bible says. And like, yeah. we're not defined by these things. Yeah, and I don't know. I don't but know what you I talked about last time. When you reject but, the doctrine uh, of inerrancy, you have no, you have no ground to stand on. I mean, like literally that, correct. that is where I personally am. When you say that God cannot speak according to his character, you can do whatever you want. Sorry. Right. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, oh, no, well, you're, you're right. The, the whole issue, though, comes down to God's providence here, too. Um, if He can't speak, if He can't uh, um, ensure that it goes through the medium of humans, um, inspired, gets written down, and then you know the preservation over the years, which would we would call miraculous, right? Basically, this is just anti-supernaturalism all over again, just cloaked in a different garment too. So this is this is we've already been through this as Baptists. That's why the twenty-five. Right. That's why we even have a Baptist faith and message is because of the anti-supernaturalism. So you're denying miracles. So that basically, it comes down to the reason why um, people are fighting is because God's not going to fight for you. You have to do it. Right. 
And then so um, basically, you know, what, what I'll, I'll let you finish because uh, I think another point off that is coming <laughs> from another part of the article here. But go ahead, Tim. So the, the point I was making is, is the same argument being made here is the same argument that they make against men and women's roles in the church. And I think I talked about it last week and I'm not going to rehash it all. But, you know, they, they, they try to put the value of the individual on what they can provide and what they can do. Yeah. Yes. Um, and that's not where value comes from. Value comes from uh, our creator and the purpose for why we were created. So it sounds uh, like uh, they're enslaving people. Your value is only what you can do. That's that's slavery. It really talk. is. That that is it, that's it, the it, talk of a slaver. It is. Yes. It's, it's you're only worth what you can produce. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and so the argument, you know, within men and women's roles in the church as well, women can. Women can preach just as good or teach just as good. And that might all well be be true, but that's not how God designed it. That's not how God laid it out in his, in his revelation to us. It has nothing to do with whether or not you're able to or not. It has everything to do with what does God say yes. and how has God designed it to be. And so, you know, when we look at what the Bible teaches on, on you know, racial issues, there there's no distinction between men. Uh, of different ethnicities, um, we're all on an equal playing field. I mean, Paul goes at great lengths to argue uh, that all men are equal standing before God, that all are falling short of the glory of God, that all yeah. need a Savior, and that all can be reconciled in Christ and Christ alone. And in that reconciliation, we can be one body uh, serving Christ here on earth. And, and there's no, you know, there's there's no talk about well, you got a, a black arm over here and a white arm over here. That's the black part of the body. And this is the white. No, yeah. I mean, that's foolishness. That's right. It's it's foolishness. It's it's we are all one together. But when we bring in woke theology, like this argument is doing, we distort the gospel message. The gospel is about reaching all nations, tongues, and tribes for for, for the kingdom, so that one day every knee, when every knee and every tongue. Knee and when everybody comes before Christ and bows down and confesses that Jesus is Lord, there is going to be um, a kingdom that has been established of every tribe and tongue and nation. Yes, and it's not going to matter what nation you're from, what tribe you're from. Uh, it, that doesn't matter because it's all about bringing it back. Yeah. You know, when you when you look at the gospel narr- when you look at the narrative of scripture, you have the garden and the fall, and then from the fall you have you have division after division after division. You have the Tower of Babel where where people are split up and dispersed, and, and the gospel is about bringing all that back together, bringing people back together, not only in unity with each other, but in unity with God. Well, and the, and, one of those beauties, and I just man, I I, I hate to cut you off, but just I had to say this like one of the beauties is that you'll have someone who was a slaver like Boyce who failed and died probably to the very last his dying breath still did not see the Imago Dei clearly yeah that guy will be redeemed not because of his work but because of the work of Christ and he will stand hand in hand with a guy like Frederick Douglass Right, like not Frederick, Frederick Douglass. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Uh, I, I was thinking. Uh, gosh, did this last week too. Ah, goodness. Uh, the African American uh, guy who Douglas. Uh, gosh, 
Frederick Douglass. Okay, I did you it right. right. I said okay, it right. So I was okay. confused because like, what am I missing here? Yeah, you had it right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, or we'll stand hand in hand with someone like, uh, gosh, H.P. Charles, right? Like, those are beautiful things. And it should be a recognition that, you know what? I don't want to be a victim of society. I don't want to be blinded by society in seeing God's word correctly. I don't want to be blinded by my uh, by my foolishness into looking at God's word clearly, but not seeing it rightly. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, I, I just what I see in all this is they don't want God to do the work. They want to do work. We've got to do work. It's all about man. We're trying to bring this into the church, but like I said, I already talked about that anti supernaturalism. We cannot wait on God. And this is like here's here's the here's the big part where that comes up in the article. It says. The elimination of slavery by uh, the Emancipation Proclamation and the South's defeat in the Civil War uh, did not change the theology of Boyce and the seminary cohort and any of these uh, truths of revelation, he wrote. Um, that is the only reason, according to Nettles, that the SBTS founders stopped enslaving people was the government wouldn't let them do it anymore. Romans 13. Okay? You want to understand what the real talk in Romans 13 is? leave room for God's wrath because he has established the government as a servant of him to be the sword against the evildoer. Guess what? Clap your hands because God did his work. Praise him. Praise him. Stop looking at man. Praise God for doing the work that men would not do. So basically maybe you're hermeneutic with your love thy neighbor face mask. Maybe you don't really know what Romans 13 talks about. And here's, here's where it bubbles out. So yeah, that's the whole point. You don't want God to do the work. You hate that God has to do the work. You want to be the one with pride to stand up and say, look what I did. That's right. And people are going to do that someday in front of Christ. And he said, he's going to say, I don't, I've never known you. Leave. Because you're the lawless one. So that's, you know, that whenever I read that in the article just now, I mean, that's like the biggest just foible. If you don't have the inerrant scripture, if you do not do grammatical historical hermeneutics, then you can't say what I just said about the wonderful, awesome works of God that we will bow down to and praise him forever for. Dude, right on. Sorry. Uh, no, 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 no <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. You hit yeah. it right on. Um Last two little paragraphs here. Uh, Tim, we are so grateful that you came on the program. It's always good to have you. I just love when we get to collaborate with you. It's, it's always fun. Yes. Thank but, you, Tim. It is a good time. But that's not good enough. For too long, it has seemed the approach to biblical interpretation in many churches and denominations has been to merely tack on amendments to our stories about the Bible. P.S. Keep reading the Bible the same way. But now, no more supporting slavery. By the way, keep reading the Bible the same way, but we should probably stop slaughtering Native Americans. P.S. Keep reading the Bible the same way, but let's stop lynching black people. Here's what I have to say to that. We actually believe there's a right way to read the Bible and that yeah. God is correcting us. Yes. When you left inerrancy... It's a man-made document. When you don't believe that God can speak according to his character, because I, I like saying about inerrancy, inerrancy is essentially this. We believe that God can speak according to his character, and that is he can't lie, he can't get it wrong. So once you say that God can't speak according to his character, 
Man, you can throw any freaking type of hermeneutic, man-made critical lens on Scripture because it's just a document written by men who didn't know jack squat. Yeah, and this is just opinion. My opinion, and I'm going to enslave you to my opinion. So who is reading the Bible like an enslaver? And who is reading the Bible as a sinner being sanctified by the word of truth? That's what people got to see. And the only way that you're going to see this is if you really have the Holy Spirit within you. And we pray that if you do, that you're in a spot where you're having a struggle and God is wrestling with you. And I hope you come out the other side to where it's praise God at his word. Tim, before I say anything else, do you want me to get the last little few lines and we'll let you get the last stab at them? How about that? Yeah. But if we read the... Go for it, yeah. But if we read the Bible in such a way (laughs) that we think slavery or genocide or Jim Crow is okay, then we need to not just change our position on those issues, but we also need to figure out how to read the Bible differently. We need to stop reading the Bible like enslavers. And notice how I said, reading the Bible like enslavers. Yeah. Go for it, Tim. So, so here's my question. Like, I, it, it, you know, I'm trying, trying to be nice here. Um, <laughs> hey, that's the 11th, uh, you know, commandment. Be, that shall be nice. I know. Uh, I'm going to try. I read this last two paragraphs in, I don't know. I like, really, man? Like, if this is the best argument you have, like, it didn't, nothing's being said here. Like, P.S., keep, like, this is, this is what I expect from a high school student, uh, in writing an article such as this. Uh, I don't know. It's just kind of disappointing, but, not a PhD in like political communication or whatever. Yeah, I mean even the title, but I mean I won't get into that because I don't yeah. want to. Yeah, the, the big thing is just, just to say something nice that I mean, but, or I guess something that nice, but something critical, nicely critical, I guess you can say um, at the end here yeah, is the fact like, of if we don't have the grammatical historical hermeneutic, if we do not have an errancy, um, the way that we but, us three would define so, define. Oh yeah, go for it. So uh, this last statement says, but if we read the Bible in such a way that we think slavery, genocide, or Jim Crow is okay, then we need to, then we need not, need to not just, just change our positions on those issues, but also figure out how to read the Bible differently. I would agree with that statement. Yeah. Like if, if you're out there and you're saying genocide is okay, Jim Crow is okay, and slavery is okay, then yeah, uh, you probably need to change how you're reading the Bible. What he's inferring here is if you affirm any of those statements, then you think this way, even though you don't think this way. But by merely holding those truths, because they were held by individuals who did, you therefore are guilty of holding those same things, even though you don't. Yeah. And so, I mean, just, just the whole argument, like, he's trying to pin the sins of someone else on another individual. Yes. That's bearing false witness. Yes. That is bearing false witness. That's saying you're guilty of something that you did not do. Yeah. Um, and what is the law against stop- that? What is the law against that? What is like if you lie, if you bear false witness and you're caught, aren't you supposed to suffer the same 
um, thing that they would have suffered had that been true about them. Just wonder if that law was still in effect in our country. If we actually cared about God's law, how many people, how many less people would be writing crap like this? <laughs> You'd be afraid. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, we, you know, it, it's a shame that, that we have to argue like this. Yeah. Um, like I, I would, I would look at this. Like I don't have any any problem with somebody disagreeing with me on on theology uh, or or how we go about interpreting the Bible. But at least represent where I stand correctly. Yeah. At, at least, like, if you're going to argue and... against, sorry, Tim, if you're going to argue against a theological stance. Like bring forward a theological argument to 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 argue it. Don't don't bring in cultural hot topic, hot button issues that really don't have anything to do with any three of these statements, other than they might have been views that individuals who like. I guarantee you that all the Chicago the senators of the Chicago statement and the Danvers statement, like. When was Chicago written? 1979? 1978? Yeah. Um, the Danvers was what, in 88? 88, yeah. And the National Statement was 2017. in 2017. Yeah. Two years. Two I, years. I, I could probably guarantee you, and I don't, I don't know man, men's hearts, but I, I could probably guarantee you that not a single person that signed any of those statements would agree that slavery is a good thing or genocide is a good thing or that Jim Crow was, was a good thing. I guarantee you that you are correct about that. I could like, so yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Like I can kind of see how he's trying to make a connection, but even the connection is just, it's a stretch. It's a real stretch because, but go for it, Tim. But I mean, that's, that's just the, that's just the culture we're in, but go ahead. Well, the stretch is this essentially, What's being made as an argument here is those people who endorse these statements read the Bible in the same way, therefore they would come to the exact same conclusions as these slavers if they were consistent. And our contention is, no, those slavers, if they read the Bible according to a hermeneutic that was consistent, they would reject their position and we've learned from their mistakes to come to that position. I'm sorry. I don't know where, give me one second here. I don't know where Dr. Kaler goes to church. I guarantee you that his church has been impacted by Luther, Calvin, Zwingli. Guess what? I can tell you for sure. Calvin killed Servetus. Did you say his name right? Conservatives. Yeah. yeah. Always worry if I'm saying it wrong. Luther killed Anabaptist. Zwingli killed all kinds of people because he was a warrior. Does that mean now that Kaler is responsible for the theological bloodline by which his Protestant faith has been founded? The answer is no. No, no, no. Imperfect people do imperfect things. Sanctified, people who are being sanctified are being sanctified. So, there's yeah. my little piece there. Sorry. 
And I was yeah, just going mean, to oh, go for it, Tim. Go ahead. Okay, I was just going to make just a little quick point. You know, it's just like I wear a Calvin T-shirt, right? I'm a Baptist. In Geneva, all three of us would get our second baptism, <laughs> and that's the one you don't come yeah. out of the water. Yeah. All right. So it's one of those things. Do I celebrate that? No, no. And do I hide it? No, I do not. And yeah. we don't need to be as when we're talking about other humans. Again, this is the problem: is we we always have to have some sort of saint. George Floyd is a saint now, despite drug issues, despite using counterfeit money, despite all his stuff. It's only been it's all been forgotten because of one thing. We don't talk about this stuff because we're going to just talk about this one thing. What we need to do is go, no, Calvin was a horrible sinner. Paul said himself that he was a horrible, wretched man, and we don't have to be embarrassed by that. It's because we're embarrassed to be to to like somebody, and we don't want to talk about their bad stuff. We only want to talk about their good stuff. So I can talk about their bad stuff as well and be like, but he was a sinner saved by grace, and this is what God gave him to teach, which the doctrines of grace are beautiful. So I go, thank you, Calvin, for being faithful here and passing this teaching on for further generations down the line. Same thing with Luther. Jerk. Uh, he drank a lot. <laughs> you know, um, He had some wily ideas I don't agree with, but what he did God give him? He was incredibly anti-Semitic. Yeah, but what... What did God give him? Where did God? The only intersectionality I care about is the gospel. Where did God intersect? Where did the gospel intersect his life? And because of that, what what did God produce in him? What is the good fruit that God produced in him um, for then and there in their lifetimes? And then what am I reaping the benefits of now because of God's work in his life? That's what we need to look at, and then learn from the mistakes of others as well, and call them mistakes, and don't be embarrassed by them. And so this whole slavery issue, um, it doesn't get talked about because we're embarrassed of Scripture. Mm-hmm. That's the reason why you don't want to be an inerrantist is because you're embarrassed of Scripture. You're embarrassed of God's Word. And we can sit over here, and we don't have to be embarrassed by it, but God has given us the tools, infallible tools, from His infallible Word to be able to go, we don't have to be embarrassed by history. And Taylor knows, and he doesn't <laughs> present it in here, by the way, People use scripture to rebuke slavery. Mm -hmm. This guy right here, all the way in England. The theological method and the hermeneutical methodology that they use to rebuke slavery is actually more consistent with what, what we actually follow. And that was the key issue that Noel points out in his book, The Civil War as a Theological Issue. We would reject the type of hermeneutic that these slaveholders, that these slavers used. In fact, we do reject it. That's the problem, though. Most folks don't even and haven't even educated themselves on how to do proper hermeneutics because they have a pastor who doesn't know how to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. Sorry. <laughs> I understand. Well, Tim, uh, man, we have enjoyed having you on so, so much. Uh, we are grateful for you and your ministry, and we'll probably just have to sit down with you on that second day of the Missouri Baptist Annual Meeting mm-hmm. and uh, have a little discussion with you on the program live uh, oh, there yeah, from the fun, convention. Yeah. So. And then also, I'd say, if you can make some bullet points um, about your uh, Woke is Broke, um, let's plan on uh, doing a show soon yeah. about that. Like so send, a, send us some bullet points or whatever, and we will uh, 
do some collaboration on that and we'll have you uh, have you again on the show because man you're you're a wealth of research and understanding and uh, we appreciate you and your work and your willingness uh, to even uh work with us so it's one awesome. of our favorite guests to have on by far it's always so much i, appreci- I think you've been on more than almost anyone by the way i appreciate it yeah uh, you i mean i'll come back for free you don't have to you don't have to compliment me so <laughs> i'll give you some uh, free hugs <laughs> free hugs <laughs> air hugs i'm not really a, i'm not a hugger but oh, too okay bad. Uh, too bad oh man all right it's called hospitality now, I, uh, I, uh, I i i always enjoy talking with you guys it's a good good time and uh really like what you guys do i wish you know i could catch more of the shows live but i just can't always do that but uh you got a family. You got a- you've got uh, your people that you're discipling and making disciples. So right. we are not going to get mad about that. So, so, but yeah, no, I look forward to seeing you guys at the convention. That'll be great, mm-hmm. and uh, and we'll talk about Wilkes broke uh, as we move oh, Tim. into the future here. So, oh Tim, I will see you before the convention. I promise oh, you. Yeah, that's right. yeah. I will yeah. see you. <laughs> I will see you soon. Oh man. Well, anyway, so we hope this has been edifying. We know that there's just a lot of serious material in here. Um, you know, there's, we, we kind of ended on a little bit of a, just kind of a downer note, but don't, don't feel down and don't let uh, people like this guy scare you and make you think that you're an enslaver. Do not let anybody bind your conscience. The only one that can bind your conscience is God and God alone. And you can find that in his word and you can know it to be true because, well, as a, tag you're it right it's the presupposition of all predication if we don't have god's true word then we have nothing there's no knowledge there's no meaning there's nothing so you've been given meaning you are inherently um who you are because god made you who you are yes you're a fallen person but if you have the holy spirit within you that makes you cry abba father because the blood of jesus christ has been applied to you then grow in sanctification. If you don't know any of these things, please contact us uh, for resources. Uh, talk to your pastor. Talk to whoever to get resources on what it what the scripture is. Uh, get the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. Get the 78 Chicago Statement. Get the Danvers Statement. Get the National Statement. All available for free online. You can look it up to find out um, what they say. Don't let people bully you because that's all this is, is just a bullying tactic to uh, yeah, get you. Thing- oh, go for it. One thing I'll add, you know, always, always do your own research. You know, yes. uh, we, we try to present things, uh, as best as we can, uh, and as accurate as we can. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you need to understand these things, uh, for yourself and, and look into them for yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, when you come across articles like this, you can, you know, right away, man, this is just foolish. Um, yeah. and, uh, you know, I'd say, you know, even like studying your Bible, reading your Bible, you know, it's, it's, it's vitally important that you spend time in God's word, uh, because it's through God's word that you're uh, equipped to know what the will of God is, what is good and pleasing to him. And, yeah. and, and that's how you grow and mature your discernment. And, uh, and, and now more than ever, you need to be able to discern, uh, just what's being said. And, and so I just encourage you in that and, you know, be, be, uh, thankful for God's word and remember that Jesus has won the victory already yes. that in him, uh, the victory it is finished and we are just awaiting him to come back and put everything under his feet so you know we deal with issues like this but we can still have hope and uh and rejoice and know that the truth will prevail uh, because christ has won uh, the victory uh, on our behalf so yeah that's right uh, I'll just... all right well with that said this is the tag Gear podcast i'm ray ray i'm dave yeah i'm tim and solely 
Deo. Gloria.